This podcast episode is brought to you by The Cry Lounge. The Cry Lounge is an independent publishing company founded by this podcast host, Bonnie Orbison. The Cry Lounge transfers your daydreams onto paper. With two book releases the past two years, they are preparing to extend their service to other authors and other creators. To get more details and support this show, there's a link in the description you can check out. The Cry Lounge looks forward to meeting you. My name is Bonnie Orbison and this is my podcast, Bonnie's Legends. This was the theme song by E.B. Solis. Welcome everybody to another episode of Bonnie's Legends. This episode you're gonna listen to is, I think, one of the most legendary ones I've ever done. Wow, I don't know how to explain my guest to you. My guest is Josephine de la Bonne, and she is a legend. I remember when I texted her for my podcast, I called her a super legend, and I think this title is, is definitely matching her. Um, gosh, yeah. So Josephine de la Bonne is such an idol for me and such an inspiration daily. And wow, I, I don't know how I would look like or what life goals I would have without her being my idol. I feel so honored and so delighted to share this episode with you. And I felt so honored interviewing her, to be honest. Like, that was a life goal. <laughs> yeah, prove it to yourself. Prove the magic that Joseph Nillebaum has to yourself if listening to this interview. Have fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Josephine de la Baume. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I feel so honored having you now on my podcast. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I feel so honored that someone cares and asks me to do that, to be honest. <laughs> that's really sweet. I'm asking you the five life questions first. Yeah. What's your full name? Josephine 
And then I've got two middle names. I'm Josephine Marie Eleonore de la Baume. It couldn't sound more French than that, basically. <laughs> When's your birthday? 8th of October, 1984. Tell me a song that describes you the most. I would say there's a French song that I really like called... Um, maybe I'll, I'll, pick, I'll pick two French songs. There's one called Le Tourbillon de la Vie uh, by Jeanne Moreau which means the spin of life, um, uh, which is about um, kind of a love story where people uh, meet and then life kind of separates them and then they meet again. And it kind of explains that like the spin of life, what the spin of life does to you and what the years um, do to people and to love and kind of being able to romanticize it, you know, the difficult times and the good times. And then there's another song I love by Jacques Brel called uh, La Valse à Milton, which means the 1000 times waltz, which is a similar concept in the first song, which is kind of like dancing through life with this kind of endless waltz and kind of going through decades, dancing through them and the kind of life goes by so fast and you kind of look back and you're mad that you're kind of romanticizing everything that has happened, good and bad, but you keep spinning up until the end of your life. So I would say that would describe, you know, I'm kind of a helpless romantic and I think that I've gone through amazing moments, but I've gone through sort of very difficult moments and I somehow have a tendency to romanticize uh, all of it, which is why I probably write songs, um, you know, I a few things but one of them is romanticizing everything by writing songs about all of those <laughs> things that happen through life good and bad describe yourself in two three sentences um i think i am both um quite a positive and anxious person at the same time which doesn't go in the hands but somehow it's kind of with me um, I think that I am also a helpless romantic and I think that has played both in my favor at times and not in my favor at others um, but I would rather kind of um, live life like it's one endless movie than just one bleak story who's your legend who's my legend um, I think my grandmother, which is because she was part of the French resistance during the Second World War. And she was such a well-put woman. And um, when she told me her story at a young age, I couldn't believe everything she'd done. You know, at the time in, uh, in France, the resistance was a very um, small community of people. And we always talk about it in such a big way, but it was actually very few people that kind of stood up and tried to, you know... Uh, fight the Nazis and, and, and do kind of commando missions where they were taking huge risks and, um, and a lot of people were collaborating in France. And so, um, so I think, you know, she had crazy stories. She lost her first husband in this boat, you know, she, she went to find him in the, in Africa and he was in the army and she kind of, put, you know, had a little kind of army coat on. She went to find him and he 
the, the boat ended up being torpedoed by a Spanish submarine and the boat sank in the water and she was one of the five survivors and it's a boat that was the size of the Titanic. And then as soon as she got back on her feet, she was saved by an English boat. And as soon as she was saved uh, and, and, and spent three months in hospital, she remembered that her husband, before letting himself die in front of her in the sea, said, if you want to keep fighting, you have to get in touch with this general, which she did. She remembered the name and she continued fighting. She fell in love with that general, ended up having my mom with him. And she continued fighting. So she was kind of like, a, she was a real little like, fighter you know and 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 she had strong beliefs and and I she was so young at the time you know I don't think she was even 20 to be honest um so I so I would say like I think because also I was so close to her to to she has such a heroic life and then she did a lot of stuff with charity throughout her whole life so I think yeah I think she was always my hero because she was the first heroic person that I'd met face to face as a child so I think I always looked up to her so much my whole life so that would be for that would be her, I'd say her. That sounds like a movie. <laughs> I know. Probably says that. <laughs> so, I mean, one year ago, I became a huge fan of you, the film noir and La Marie. La Marie. I'm a pronouncing yeah. it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, La Marie was my summer song of 2019. And um. then the Frilor my admiration and respect for you crew it just crew i was like wow okay <laughs> oh that really is so heartwarming thank you that means a lot honestly that really means a lot especially when i get like young girls like being into it i feel so moved because i don't know why because i guess like it's not that right for anyone in specific but it really moves me when young girls are into it and it seems to kind of touch them because i get a lot of message from um, yeah, from young girls. So I'm, I'm glad that, that I, if it reaches out to to anyone in general, but for some reason, yeah, it really moves me. But it's kind of like the teenage sound, like this rock thing, and then also the f some kind of ballads, and it's it's really like a it's a chaos of feelings, and I think that's what we're feeling when we're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, it's like basically. That's the problem. I haven't really changed. I haven't grown much emotionally, to be honest, since. <laughs> I'm still like, ah, I get heartbroken like crazy. I fall in love like crazy. So I think maybe that's why people relate because your first loves are, are kind of like the strongest. You know, they're supposed to be the strongest, but I seem to be like going through life with the same intensity. So maybe that's why. That would, that's a good explanation. <laughs> okay, great. And then I wish you a happy birthday last year. And then you text me back. And since that moment, I'm really like, he became my biggest inspiration, my biggest idol, like, really. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank you for wishing me a happy birthday. It's never a day that I like so much. So I guess, thank you. That's really sweet. I'm glad that I responded and here we are. <laughs> yeah. You, you responded me and I sent you like, oh my God, you responded me. I'm going crazy right now. And then you texted like something like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Because yeah. it is sweet. That's so sweet. And I think like anytime you do something creative, which you already do. And so I think when people, you know, take, take time to listen to the stuff that you do and take time to actually pay attention and not just kind of like in, in passing, you kind of have to be grateful because it is because of people 
like you that that take the time that like artists can survive and also like i think when you make the kind of music that i do it's it's almost like a diary it's something it's really personal so if someone if it kind of reached to someone you know i'm not making like a pop song with like a big end theme as the as the as the chorus or and not saying that that's a bad thing i'm just saying like it is so personal that if if like it's almost like people reading my diary and if in some extent they can relate it's almost like a less lonely place you know what i mean but you started your career as a model right yeah how did it start i mean i never like i'm quite i'm short and i'm very curvy so i never really um thought I would ever do pictures and stuff like that to be honest so I think it came because I was acting as well I was doing acting and I was making music and then as soon as I started doing that it came as a time where like brands wanted to work with like people not just models that looked like this like you know ideal woman with like endless legs and very skinny and all this stuff and so It came as a moment of the need of like being able to relate more to people that were on pictures. So I started being asked um, to 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 do some campaign, and I but I think it was always as the idea that you know I never came as like a model because I don't look like one, uh, okay. but more as like an actress and singer. And then they would be like you know, and it was kind of you know they they used to use actresses and stuff like that for being campaign, but I think for like smaller stuff and then now they they didn't do it as much you know it was very much like models were doing that and it was like there were superstars or supermodel or just models and then there was like another category which was like for actress and that so uh, so i think it kind of started like overlapping much more fashion and and music and cinema what's your high because once i read that you won 17 then i read reading that you won 68 i don't know i'm always like confused <laughs> i'm really sure that i'm one meter 62 Really? Yeah, I'm not 68. I wish I was. <laughs> no, I'm not 68. I'm one meter 62, so I'm really short and curvy. Okay. You know, I've got a nice, I've got boots. I'm quite curvy. So I was really like surprised when at first people were like, "Oh, do you want to do this campaign?" And I was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> but I think it's just because people, you know, they wanted to work with models, and then some brands wanted to work with people that did other stuff, um, and that maybe were more relatable to some extent. Okay, because I was always like, okay, she's 168 because I'm now 165. And I was always like, I want to be as tall as Josephine de la Vaume is. But you're taller. You're yeah. taller than me now. You've actually like... Okay, so I'm taller than you now. <laughs> you are. And you keep growing probably. So you're actually in good position to make it to one meter 68. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but my mom is always, I think... Oh my god! I think she was one six sixty-two, and she's now one fifty-eight or something. Don't tell me I'm going to get shorter. Don't say that. <laughs> But I, I was make always sure like, he just needs to stand straight and make sure I stand really straight. Or I'll just start lying. That's also no. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I think there's also like when you're in school. You know, when I was like little, I was when I was kind of like in the tall, not tall, but I was in the medium tall girls. And then suddenly everybody started growing and I was like, wait, what's happening? Why am I not mm -hmm. growing? Because I guess I went through puberty young and I was like, felt so, you know, uncomfortable with myself. I remember like, 
being really uncomfortable with, ha with having boobs. I remember being uncomfortable with having hair. I remember like the girls didn't really have it. Like I, I was earlier than other girls, you know, around 11, I started kind of yeah. like, and I used to try and hide it. And I used to be kind of like uncomfortable with my size. I felt like I was short and I wanted to be one of those tall girls, like blah, blah, you know, those stories. And then I think that's why later on in life, I think I really didn't like think of myself as someone that would be hired to, to do anything in fashion or be on pictures. So I was really like, wow, like it's crazy. It's possible. And, and so it really shows that. And I think more now than even at the time where I was starting to do that, it really has to do with like, you know, being kind of comfortable with yourself, whatever you look like, you know, and just kind of really embrace it and just, you know, roll with it because there is no such thing as perfection. I mean, it's just yeah. a complete illusional concept. And so, and I think your generation is much more aware of that than my generation was when I was your age, you know? I think I was, I was also around 11. So I was also really young when I became like major and everything crew and that stuff. And I still remember like my best friend is French. <laughs> She's French German. Yeah. Uh, so her mom is German and she married a French man. And then we kind of the same age and our parents are friends. So we were always together. And I remember the day she was taller than me. I still remember the moment I was like, oh, okay. So it was like, okay. And now she's 175. Five, six, something about that. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was always like, okay. Yeah. I feel, it's just I that feel... odd moment. Yeah, I feel so small. You're like, wait, my best friend grew suddenly also. And I was like, wait, don't let me down. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And every time, because we're seeing us just so, so a few times, it's always like, you crew. And she's like, no, I didn't. And I was like, you but you're, you're taller than I crew and you crew, you're taller still. It's like, uh. <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, you feel betrayed at first. Then you get used to it. You're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what was when you were a child? What was your dream job? I wanted to be, uh, well, I think like a lot of little girls, I wanted to be a ballerina. So I went, I did nine years of ballet. And then I really had, didn't have the body to be a ballerina at all. Okay. Like they're so, you know, long and like, they, they're not, they don't have to be tall, but they're quite, that they're, they're much drier than I am, you know? Okay. And, and if you have boobs, it's not great. To, I mean, I just, and also to be honest, when I look at pictures of me as a kid uh, dancing, I, 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 I mean, I was confident that I was a good dancer. The truth is I really wasn't. When I see the pictures, like all the girls are like long and like they're like really graceful and I'm not. I'm literally like, you know, quite like clumsy and quite curvy and it's it's sweet, but it's really like, I, that was not my destiny. It was pretty obvious. Like, I think just my parents were really sweet and just kept me in there and just kept me believing I would for a while because it was nine years. <laughs> I look at the, and I was never getting the like, choreography right I mean it was just like a mess and they I think because the teacher kind of liked me she put me with the older girl so it looked even more crazy I was like this big when they were this big and I just didn't I had no idea what the hell was going on but then you have to celebrate your son, younger self that you were so confident in doing that I was sure I was doing an amazing job to be honest with you <laughs> it's only quite recently that I saw the show saying oh my god I was really bad like it's crazy like the lie that they kept me in for so long <laughs> and then I 
after that, pretty much um, soon after, I knew I wanted to do acting. And music came a bit later because it's not that I didn't want to be a musician. I just always thought that, you know, I was doing a lot of music. I, I started piano when I was six years old. And I always wanted to play piano. And then my brother and I were making, we always making music together. But I felt like it was too enjoyable to be a job because mm -hmm. it was just so our way of bonding and hanging out with each other. So I never knew that could be a profession. I just couldn't, you know, there was like, so eventually when I felt like we actually were making valuable stuff, I was like, maybe we should play to people. But it took me kind of a while to get there. You know, it's like, whereas with acting, I went to acting school and, and all that so um so yeah yeah that's the story so acting came first i think acting came first in the sense that i knew i'd have to do uh it's i had to go to to classes whereas with music i just always played it at home I don't know. I was shy to play to people because I guess it was more personal, you know, in, with acting, you kind of hide, can hide behind a character, even though it's just as personal because you have to kind of, you know, die, you know, dig within yourself and relate to the character. So it's often, you know, quite an honest um, process to yeah. act. So you kind of reveal something truthful about yourself. But you can still pretend you're hiding behind the character, even though you're not. With music, there was I couldn't really hide in any way. I think. Um, so I think, yeah. But I kind of ended up uh, working in both at the same time, because even though I was going to acting school, I still and I went to an art school as well. I was still playing music, and but it's the both kind of picked up at the same around the same time because I had a I had another band before. And we kind mm -hmm. of get signed around the same time that I did my first movie. So I think they were always kind of like, uh, you know, parallel to each other. Well, I heard the interview. I didn't understand everything, but I heard the interview. I listened to the interview on this radio station in France. Oh, it was not there, yeah. I was actually quite happy that I got, because sometimes, you know, if it's a different country, they like close it for your country, like the BBC, but this radio station didn't do that that was great <laughs> oh nice you were able to listen to it yeah it was very nice actually there was really interesting people on the show it was uh thanks for listening it was um there was this uh writer called Anne scott and she wrote a book about Judaism and or Judaism, and, and she has a lot of like music references in it and she was really cool she was very clued up about music and then um There's another singer there, singer there, Jana there, who makes very different type of music, but is very talented, I think, in what she does. And so it was like a nice, like combo of people. And the two people interviewing are great. And then we just played a couple songs live, which went okay. I hope. I think. Let's see. So it was great. Weird. Okay. Good. Thanks. <laughs> you never know how it's going to get mixed on the on those radio shows. This this show, I have to say, they're always quite nice. They let you kind of listen to it first when you rehearse so that it doesn't sound too different from who would mix it, you know. But yeah, it's a nice show. The interviewer said something about SyncTech, your first band of your brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand yeah. the I understand the question, but I didn't understand the the answer. So you had this band and why did you stop making music 
via this band? I mean, the, 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 you know, the answer that my brother gave on the show is quite true. And, and I'll add a couple things to it is that I think, you know, the first band we had was much more candid and I think we were probably more innocent at the time. So it kind of made sense at the time to do something more, you know, the, some of the songs are a bit more poppy and, um, and we worked in a very different way where we first wrote the songs and then wrote the lyrics and worked a lot in the studio. We met Nelly Hooper. So we worked with him first and then we worked with uh, Sammy Osta, who then produced uh, some stuff from Phil Noir and produced La Femme and stuff. And I think it was just, you know, we would do stuff in studio and then play live and then try and you know, match what we had done in the studio. Whereas we, when we started to write for Film Noir, which we didn't know was going to be Film Noir, it was, it started from my, um, from my writing, which was almost like a diary of whatever had happened emotionally. And then we would kind of write the music around it to support the text and then uh, play the songs live as much as possible so that when we played it in the studio, we almost did just a few takes. So there was much more of an idea of urgency. And it was very much like as close as possible to the initial feeling of when I wrote the lyrics page. So I think it's kind of the opposite process. And I think also the whole sentiment I wrote in French quite a lot this time, the whole sentiment of the of the band was very different and I just didn't feel like the same project. And then we ended up working with different musicians. So that's why we kind of stopped the other band. It doesn't mean that, I mean, I just wasn't inspired in the same way. You know, there was no reason, like I really liked playing with those people. I just felt like naturally a new sentiment came because of life events. And they just didn't really match the whole atmosphere of the previous project. Um, yeah and I wanted to work differently yeah they kind of have really two different like it's an opposite like if you're listening to film more you're more maybe darker or it's more alternative yeah, it's and sing tag is really poppy and you're like thinking about being happy and that stuff and film noir is more like okay this melancholic and yeah sometimes we're sad too yeah yeah exactly that's exactly what it is and I just think that just very, it was two different times in our lives and two very different projects. And I think it just, yeah, at some point, some stuff happened to me that just felt I needed to write a specific, about a specific theme, which was heartbreak and, um, and, and confusion and blah, blah, you know, which is kind of quite not original, but I, there's endless ways of writing about it. And it just, uh, and I think musically, I wanted to have a bigger influence. So I wanted to write the melodies and not just decide on the arrangements together. So we started being more involved with the music side, not just the, the lyric side. So, so yeah, so it was just a different project. Who are the members of Film Noir? It's a little bit confusing. <laughs> yeah, I know. So basically what happened is at this point, we've got, uh, so my brother and I, then we've got Mathieu, who's a drummer. 
Then we've got Martin Roquier, who's the guitar player, and then Victor Le Dauphin, who's the bass player. But previously, we had Virgile Arndt at bass, and we had Guillaume Rotier at the drum. But Guillaume, we, used, uh, we kind of borrowed Guillaume from this band called Rendezvous, who are friends of ours, under he's his own person, but under one condition is that when they go on tour, he has to go back. And so this transaction eventually happened, sadly. And then he had to go on tour with Rendezvous. And then, um, so we needed someone at this point. And so we went with his best friend. We, we still keep it in the family. And then Virgil, we played together for a while, but he also had another project with his brother, um, which he then really wanted to pursue. And they moved to LA together. And then we were like, you know, he, he couldn't match the two. And that was fine. And I think that's why. And now I think on the, on the, on the record, you know, I, I really want, like the idea of having a band as opposed to like just my brother and I may doing everything together. And even though we kind of are the initial thing and we write a lot of it, we try and now get the musicians more and more involved, you know, because they really kind of like make the songs better anyway, you know, and they have since the beginning. But I think now we're trying to like write together even more so that there's more and more the spirit of a band um, and not just, you know, uh, people supporting uh, the people writing. So I think, I think we got there in the end. Let's see. You also recorded, like Femoir recorded also in LA, right? We recorded in LA at Kundo... Our friend Kundo, um, Kundo's um, uh, studio, which is amazing. There's literally like nothing. There's just one computer from the 90s. I don't know when it's from. And then it's just tapes and nothing on stage. And it's just wow. really good. At yeah, so we really recorded it, you know, on tapes. And in just each song is like a couple takes, you know. So it was a lot of like rehearsing first and refiguring out the the thing so I think even if there's little accidents or mistakes we kept them and and then we have a bunch of people playing on it we have Cole and Zumi from the Black Lips who came one night late and just you know started playing they were supposed to arrive at 12 and they came later and they kind of stormed in and, and played in like you know for like a few hours she played the saw and he plays guitar and then we had our friend Kieran Jacqueline and play and then we have Sasha from La Femme who plays this instrument, who I can't remember the name, it, it, you know, it goes like, oh, you kind of just move your hand and the frequency. Ah, uh, like, yes. I can't remember what it's called, like, xylophone, I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, he played that, so we, so we just had people coming in and out. He, uh, Sasha from La Femme played in Paris, but the other ones were in the name. And, um, yeah. Um, it was just really fun and we recorded fast, you know, but I do like what it's brought to the record. And mm -hmm. then we did some recordings in Paris with Sammy, but I think you can't really like create that kind of um, urgency and impulse unless you're put in that kind of situation. I mean, it just won't be as like um, uh, visceral maybe, you know? I think you can hear that on this EP that was taken on tapes. Yeah. This retro thing. Yeah. I really love that. Like at the end of one song, you hear really like when the, when everybody stops. Yeah. 
I know, and you can hear. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, I'm glad you hear it. I mean, it's just kind of a warmer sound, too, you know, in general. Yeah, but I love that if songs have, like, this... If you can hear it was a live recording or it was recorded on on old school stuff like a tape. I love that. It's just... Ah. Well, you feel like you're in the room with everyone. Yes. That's what's <laughs> nice. Yes, exactly. So now you release two EPs. Will you release an album too? Yeah, we're about to record our album in we're hoping to record it in october so we're trying to find a place um that would maybe be not paris or not london we're hoping we're looking at portugal we were looking at you know anywhere that has a studio and where we kind of that's not like outrageously expensive and where we can all um focus a bit more yeah and then a bunch you know a bunch of us in the band won't be able to go out as much. <laughs> They'll just have to focus. You know. I'm joking when I say that, but I think it'll be a nice, you know, band dynamic too. And I think it's just, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, not being, going home every night and just being a bit like in a bubble altogether, you know? Yeah, but I'm looking forward to having like an album. <laughs> yeah, well, it's already re mostly written, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, so we but we wrote it very much like a lot more together. You know, we wrote the initial thing, my brother and I, but then we worked a lot in the studio around the arrangements more than I think just as as much as before, probably a bit more. And so um so yeah, so we're quite close. Like I think beginning of October we'll start recording would we'll be done by end of October. I also have to tell you to to fangirling stuff. Um <laughs> So I had no. birthday last week and the night before the interview was on the radio and you, you, you sang Elisa and the, this, I had this song spinning in my head. Like in the minute I became 16, I had this song spinning in my head. I was like, Oh, happy <laughs> birthday though. Thank you. That's so nice. I'm so glad I was part of that. That's so sweet. <laughs> Love that. That <laughs> makes me really happy. Trust me. Did you have a good birthday? Um, 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 it was an emotional roller coaster. Let me say that. <laughs> was it? Why? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my brother and his girlfriend came. They are living in Barcelona and they came and I was really happy about that. But in the morning I woke up and my grandpa told me like oh maybe the weather is not that good and you should stay home not come with us and I was like wow that's how my birthday starts my grandpa tells me that our vacation doesn't start and I was like oh, okay and then we called and said hey however the weather is I'm coming I love to see you and then my my mom and her boyfriend discussed about a thing and then mom discussed with me and then she left then her boyfriend discussed with me then he left and then I went to my brother but then his girlfriend was like discussing with him and I was like what's going on and everybody was wow. telling me and everybody like when mom came home again she was like really depressed because she had this fight with her boyfriend and laid in bed and was like coming in was like can you hug me please I need some love of you 
And I was like, mom, I'm pissed oh. off of you right now. I can't hug you right now. I'm just pissed off. That is such a really dramatic start of the birth of start of a, this new year for you. It was. <laughs> maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like resolution and salvation. Hopefully. I mean, the next days weren't that good. And now I'm here on vacation and my grandparents are not, you know, they not harmonizing. How are you saying? Like, they're not really harmonic. I don't know. <laughs> Harmonized. I yes. don't know. Now you're asking a French person for harm. <laughs> there isn't much harmony. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's um, kind of st stressful. Well, you know what? It's full, I don't want to seem too mystical, but it's full moon tonight. So you might want to write a little full moon manifestation. That's a good thing. Actually, when yesterday, when have September you started, it? you have done it. Have you ever done it? Yeah. I mean, I'm always, always like manifesting some things. And at the beginning of this year, I wrote like for every month a manifestation Wow, but, so you're like a pro at manifestation. <laughs> but I'm always manifesting. Like, I don't know, I'm listening to music and I'm always writing down my goals. For example, yesterday it was start of September and I read somewhere that um, you should manifest something for this month. And I was like, just writing down my goals. Like, it wasn't like um, interview the, I don't know, someone. It was just like, like, I... I'm reading to you now. Then you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, okay. So I wrote, um, my September goals are doing nothing, expecting nothing, appreciating everything, feeling finally enough and loved by myself. That's good. That's very, like, that's a wise manifestation, it sounds like. Yeah. Like, things I learned from this first week of being 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but let's if see if you start like that at 16 you're gonna be like gandhi by the time of like or little like you know monks or something some kind of <laughs> higher spiritual being by the age of like 30 <laughs> yeah i don't know my brother has a good mindset and it's really spiritual and he always taught me like manifesting and visualizing things and now we're coming to the second girl, fangirling thing I want to tell you. Um, the day before I became 60, yeah. I was listening to Femme Noir and La Marie. And the funny thing was that I remembered the day before I became 15, I manifested or played in my fantasy that I'm actually talking to you and that we kind of, I don't know, friends. <laughs> That's so sweet. And it, and it happened you end up like we ended up talking to each other like a year later that's so crazy yes, yes. that was really crazy when i realized that i was like oh okay wow yes did you and did you manifest it in your head did you try and picture it or did you just thought about it i think i'm was having it? a picture in it i'm like yeah playing it or something yeah i'm like Wait, I'm like asking advice for tonight. I'm like, how did you do your manifestation? How does it work? <laughs> I just write things on a piece of paper and then I burn it. And I look at the moon while I burn it. But I never used to do anything like that. And then I started doing it during uh, lockdown because my friend grew up in Ibiza and she's, very, she's quite like witchy in that way. 
And she was like, no, we have to manifest. And I was like, you know what? I mean, what have I got to lose? There's nothing I have to do on lockdown. And so I did it. And I have to say, I started seeing the, the, I started seeing the results of it. Like slowly, it's not fully, it's not exactly what I asked. But it's like, I was quite, like, quite impressed. It's like, wow, this, this shit is real. <laughs> so I'm doing it again tonight. I wanted to ask you, because I recognize that, that you moved around a lot in your life. And I wanted to ask you where you all lived in your life. So I grew up in Paris. Um, and then I studied in London for a bit. And then, I mean, for a few years, and then I moved to New York. Um, and so I did, I went to university in London and I moved to New York where I studied acting on top of the, on top of, uh, I had studied fine art and acting in London and I studied acting in, in New York and worked for a contemporary artist called Tom Sachs. Um, then I left New York and I went back to Paris And then when I got back to Paris, I started working. I got a couple of parts and then I met um, my ex-husband and he lived in New York. I lived in Paris at the time. So we had to find a compromise where he could work and I could work. So we moved to London together. Then we moved to LA together Then we split up and he stayed in LA. I went back to Paris and then I was coming back and forth between Paris and London and then I've been pretty much since then since between Paris and London and what was your favorite place to live I mean I really like living between Paris and London because I you know they're so different and I love English people I love my place in London and then in Paris I just like the lifestyle. I think, you know, you come out of your place and everything is like so localized, it's easy. It's almost like, now the moment Paris is so exciting, kind of reminds me of when I lived in New York, like over 10 years ago, you know, it's like, there's an interesting music scene, there's interesting directors, there's, you know, it's a Latin city. So like, it's just- And it's your home it's, country. And it's my home country. It's like cafe terraces and it's very warm, you know, it's like, It's convivial. It's 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 a warm city. Um, so I quite like living between the two of them. Um, but I think if I ever had to choose, you know, I, I think, you know, Paris will always be, is in my heart forever. Right. This is this is home. Now I also I I would feel very sad to leave London. I really love London. I don't know. Yeah, you know that. You're my idol, so I basically like watched oh. every video on YouTube, <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> I remember I one video from two thousand nine, eight, seven. I don't know, but you had like, I mean, like bangs and like long blonde hair, <laughs> and yeah. you just moved to London and you showed around, you showed the camera your room or your flat, everything oh, was yeah. empty. Yeah, and I love this video because it was so cute. Yeah. I know. I was such like, it was really the beginning of like me moving back to London. I think they kind of wanted me, it was like slightly staged in the sense that they wanted me to just say things, mm -hmm. you know, like about being the French who just moved to London. So it was a little bit of like, 
just real chat and a little bit of like let's enhance the situation but it's it's sweet i haven't seen it for so long i don't think i've seen it since it's come out to be honest uh, <laughs> but yeah i probably must seem quite innocent at the time <laughs> i don't think so no yeah. maybe i'm just delusional and maybe i was never that innocent to be honest i don't know but I think you're always thinking that, like, if I'm thinking about me two years ago or something, you're always thinking something like this because you're always experiencing these two years things. That's true. And to be honest, like, I remember seeing a video of like, <clears throat> some somehow at some point I found some some old tapes from when I was a kid, and then in the middle of it, so I started watching it, and in the middle of it, it cuts to I must have used it as a teenager, so pretty much the age that you are now. I used it as a teenager or like a young woman because I guess you're almost no longer a teenager, but I used it as, so I must have been like 15 or 16 or something on that. Maybe I was a little younger than you. I was maybe 14, 15, I was 15. And I'm I'm filming myself. So it cuts to me with my boyfriend at the time and I'm like filming us on the mirror in the bathroom and it was like VHS tape, right? And it cuts back to my childhood. And I was like, oh, and I heard my voice in the way I was talking. And I don't have, you know, because at the time we didn't have iPhones and stuff. So not that much it's documented, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just whatever you remember of yourself and of your friends or whatever you want to remember. But, you know, your generation has everything on iPhone. You can kind of like go back to like how you were and remember. I honestly have almost nothing, you know? And I, but I remember seeing that small moment and being like, wow, I'm, I didn't remember being like that. Like I was very like confident and I really thought, you know, I, I was much more womanly than I, than I remembered. And I was very like, like I was kind of big mouth and a bit quite like, you know, probably more badass than <laughs> I ever will be again or was. Like I was very much like didn't give a fuck and really thought that I ruled the world, but not in an arrogant way, just in a kind of young, good way. You know? I understand but this feeling. Way, even the way I spoke to my boyfriend was just so confident. There was nothing like sweet and like I was just very like yeah, whatever, come here, baby. You know, I was just like what? I was fourteen or fifteen? I didn't speak like that. What's up? Come here, baby. Like, I was just like, who was I? You know. It's funny because I didn't remember being, I remember being like that sort of, but much more. I was like, I, you know, have a tender nest towards like the younger version, obviously, just because you always think like, oh, you know, like I'm so young and I'm like, I'm not, oh, I'm very much like, who is this person? Like, just so like aggressive and like, <laughs> so it was funny. So yeah, I guess we're all a bit delusional when it comes to our own identity through the years yeah i have to tell you again a story i'm such a storyteller um <laughs> um so actually with my bangs i really had short bangs because of angel olsen i really love her and she has like really That's short great. yeah she really has like really you. short bangs and i was like okay i'm just mom my mom is a hairdresser and i was like mom can you like make a short bangs and she was like yes let's do it and then beginning of june it started to crow and i was like oh this looks kind of like josephine looked when she was young <laughs> that's true and then i had it on the side a little bit it is a little bit like that 
That is true because you have quite wavy hair. I mean, right now we have quite similar hair, to be honest. Yeah. Your hair is quite blonde, so is mine. Usually they're much more red, but with the sun, they got really blonde. <laughs> but it's true. I used to always do the hair on the side like this. I loved it. Yeah. And I was like, Mama, I have to cut my bangs. It's too it's too long. And she was like, yeah, shot it as, as it was, like ancient Olsen style. I was like, no, let's just keep it like a little bit like Josephine. <laughs> that was great. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that somehow someone appreciated that hairstyle that was just, just pretty much an accident. I think pretty much every time. But oh, <laughs> that's sweet. Thank you. I might go back to it now. And seeing it on you, I'm like, maybe it was kind of a good look. <laughs> is your natural hair red or? My hair is kind of closer to that. My natural hair. So my hair is like dark blonde. It's like it's like strawberry blonde. Mm -hmm. It's like blonde, but it's changed. It used to be, you know, when I was a kid, it was quite strawberry, but it was like dark red blonde. When I was really young, it was quite brown, then it got quite dark, dark red. Then it got quite blonde for years with some red in it. And I, then it got really dark naturally, like much darker blonde. So I think, because I, I dye my hair, make it more red. I don't really know which color it is anymore, but I think from what I gather during lockdown and the roots and stuff, I think it's pretty much it's kind of darker in the top, and then it gets it's quite it's quite similar to that. Maybe a little less blonde, a little darker. But it's it's strawberry blonde. How is it to work with your brother? Is that sometimes I'm working with my brother as well? But how is the experience to work with a brother? Is there like a difference for you? as to work with somebody else who's not your sibling? I think, yeah, there's definitely a difference. I think because we grew up together, we're so close, you know, and we understand there's, I think we work so fast also, and we're very complimentary. So I think when, you know, he plays me a few chords and I start singing melodies and stuff like that, very quickly, he knows where I'm heading. I know where he's heading. Very often we agree with each other. We very rarely disagree. I'll be like, I don't think that works. And it'll be like, yeah, totally. I'll try something else. And I'll be like, yeah, that works better. Or the opposite, you know, I'll say something and he'll be like, mm, what about if we could not that? Like we could, we collaborate very well. Mm -hmm. And I think because we know each other so well. We kind of always, we know each other's weaknesses and strengths. And I think his strengths are my weaknesses. My strengths are his weaknesses. So it allows us to elevate the songs uh, because we need each other in a way, you know? And because we believe in each other and we trust each other in, in, in the work. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, I don't know that anyone else could understand me as well as my brother, uh, at least at this point of my life, to, to express something so personal and, and to kind of support it and, and write uh, with me, you know? It's a very generous collaboration. It's a very open-hearted collaboration. You know, it's not yeah. so much like with your talent and mix it with mine, and then you know, or my skill rather than my talent. And it's more like, okay, we can look at the same. We're looking at the same picture right now. How do we like, you know, project it musically? Yeah. Also, the weakness and the strength. I have that too with my brother. I'm always telling him if he's weak, I'm strong, and if I'm weak, he's strong. That's nice. That's but it's a good always life. like that. 
I don't think it's always like that. I think a lot of like siblings kind of, you know, knock heads and go towards, against each other or are competitive. I get over paranoid with my brother because I like love him so much. I'm always terrified something's going to happen. So I'm always like, are you okay? Like when he calls me, I'm already scared. I'm like, are you okay? Like, you know, almost like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm fine. I just wanted to like give you the dates of that. I'm like, okay. You know, but I think, um, I think when people are on, you know, what you're saying, like you think of your brother and then you call him, I think when people are connected and close, they can feel each other, you know? I mean, we are connected and you know, yeah. it's the same way. Speak about someone and your phone rings and you haven't spoken to them for two years, but maybe you stayed connected to some extent, you know. Yeah. Are you the older one or is Alexandra the older one? I'm the older one. And then I've got an older brother and an older sister. Really? Yeah, from a different, but they're, they're much older than us. They're um, from my mom's first marriage. Okay. I think it's, I'm done now. I ask you everything. Okay. I mean, basically, like next week, I'm going to have a new question. For <laughs> me, you know, a lot of, we have a lot of time on our hand right now at the lobby during this basically semi lockdown situation where things keep getting cancelled. But yeah, feel free to call me and ask me more questions. And also, I'll make sure that I send you a t shirt. Um, the other two you show me the ones you the one you have oh you have the one like that so you don't have the one with the square like that no okay <laughs> okay so we'll send the other one it was so Wait, lovely I don't to know speak which size it is let me see tell me the size do you like it small do you like it? Ooh. oh my god it's an m It's an M. Do you want it smaller or do you want it medium? No, I like like medium stuff. Like I like when okay. it's a little bit oversized. <laughs> okay, so it's medium then. Do you want it in black or in white? I think black would be nice to have one. White yeah. and black. Okay. Well, I'll okay. see what I have, but I think we'll arrange. You'll send me your address on the and we can ship it free. Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, okay. Thank you so much for asking me. And um, I can't wait for to be able to read your book when it's in English. And that was my interview with Josephine de la Bonne. If you like this interview with Josephine, then make sure to follow her and me on social media to get more content from her. If you want to listen to something that I cut out now here in this episode, then make sure to become a Patreon and be able to listen to some stuff others can't listen to. Yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. I feel emotionally blessed having interviewed her. And I hope you had fun. I hope you have a wonderful evening. And we'll see us next week for another legend. Your host, Bonnie Orison. Mm -hmm.